Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on guys? It is Saturday, November 10th and it's another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast coming at you guys with your host Matt Bruning at it today for a college football podcast going to steer a little bit away from the NFL today and I'm going to discuss some of my top prospects some of the games and the college football playoff uh, implications going on today so to give you guys a full breakdown of today's podcast I'm going to start out and again go over where everybody is ranked right now kind of go over the schedule that has gone out pretty much all the games have been played except for the real late games like Clemson and BC FSU and Notre Dame, Auburn, Georgia, all these games are still currently going on, uh, but I will talk about them a little bit. They'll probably wrap up here as I'm recording. After we're done talking about that, we'll kind of talk about the next couple weeks. Uh, We really only have about three, four weeks left in the college football season for most teams before we get into championship week, Uh, and then we're into the bowl weeks, and uh, you know, bowl weeks, again, as I've talked about, are huge. For the incoming prospects for the 2019 draft, uh, you really want to kind of watch these last few weeks of these guys in the bowl season, anybody who makes the playoffs, as they'll be going up against top uh, top competition. And then obviously everybody pays attention to the draft process when you're looking at uh, the combine, pro days, all that stuff. But in, in my opinion, as I've talked about in my articles, which I'll get to in a little bit, uh, I don't think that's an accurate representation of these players, just what they do at the combine and pro days, because you're not running around in shorts and a t-shirt and running just 40 yards and stopping uh, like you do in the pro day, catching a couple passes and not going against defenders. This is the time to really get to know these players and these prospects. And uh, we've got, you know, up until this point, about um, uh, about 11 weeks of, of game tape on these guys. So we've really gotten kind of a, a good idea of who they are this year. And that's not counting everything that they've put on tape the past couple years as well. we got a couple, uh, when I get into my running back stuff, we've got one senior that I can think of in my top 10. Everybody else junior, so you're getting at least three years of work. Except for one guy who's just kind of taken over this year. But that'll, again, we'll talk about that later. After those, though, we will break. I will jump into my top five quarterbacks. Um 
This one's going to be a little bit interesting as there's two guys here. And when we get to it, I think might go back to school. But as of right now, these are the guys that I would rank uh, in my top five again. I'll put out a new list kind of breaking down even more uh, once we get to the end of the year. Especially at that point, we'll know kind of who is going to enter the draft process and who is going to stay in school. After that, I'll jump in and give you my top ten running backs. There's three guys right on the outside I'll kind of touch on as well. Uh, but I'll give you guys my top ten. And then after that, I'll kind of give you some of my playoff predictions for the college football season uh, and kind of tease my top 10 wide receivers as well just in case I'm not able to get into another college podcast uh, until about week 15 which is technically the end of the college season uh, for the most part um, I'm going to try and get another one out possibly next week or the week after once I'm able to get out my uh, my wide receipt my top 10 wide receivers and my top five tight ends for the 2019 prospect rankings so speaking about that I did put out another article earlier today, right around 12 o'clock, to coincide with the games. Uh, it is with QBList.com. Again, you can find it there. Uh, you can follow me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Uh, I always pin those new articles to the top of my profile, so you can find it there. You can scroll through. Uh, I always retweet my stuff out to kind of get it out to everybody because I love the readership, obviously, and uh, I love people talking back to me. And uh, you know, I love to to hear people's opinions on if they agree with my top ten. If they think someone should be higher, someone shouldn't even be in it. Someone should be in it. Uh, I love going back and forth, giving those matter of fact. Uh, for those of you in the community, if you know who Benjamin Albright and Andrew Harbaugh are. Both very knowledgeable college guys, and the three of us were having a big discussion today about the quarterbacks, actually. We were going back and forth uh, in a friendly way, and I do obviously, if I'm being honest, appreciate everybody being uh, friendly about it or uh, or respectful because it's always nice to have a decent conversation with someone uh, without the cursing and needs of you saying someone's an idiot or doesn't know how to do their job. Uh, both of these gentlemen are very good at what they do. We just disagree. I'm, I'm very big on Herbert and Haskins this year. Uh, and I like Will Greer, and so does Andrew Harbaugh. Uh, he likes Will Greer as well. Benjamin Albright doesn't. He's a very big Drew Locke fan. I like Drew Locke, not as much as those other three, and Andrew doesn't like Drew Locke at all. There's nothing wrong with that. Whoever ends up being right or wrong doesn't matter. We all have our opinions. You know, as I've talked about before, I was really big on Philip Lindsay uh, when really no one else was. There's a few people that at least I know, and I'm not, I don't know everybody in the fantasy football community, uh, but there was very few people that I saw touting Philip Lindsay. There was a couple other gentlemen, I'll even talk about them right now, it would be uh, Matthew Fox, The he is at Nighthawk7734. Uh, he is the managing editor of everything FLA that we do. Uh, he's he's awesome. Uh, he's a huge Denver Broncos fan, so I don't know if he necessarily saw him up in person or what was going on, but he was paying very close attention to him, and he liked the kid just as I did. Uh, I talked about how much I loved this kid going in. I had kind of, uh, now I don't want to say converted, converted Dennis Bennett at culture coach. I'm sorry. I want to get I want to get his right. I apologize. At culture underscore coach uh, down in dynasty, Dennis Bennett himself. Uh, you know our dynasty writer. He uh, not necessarily didn't want, need to be converted, uh, but he did like Royce Freeman, and we got talking about Philip Lindsay. So he looked into him, and he jumped on our, on with us as well, touting the Philip Lindsay bandwagon all year long. Again, we got on different podcasts that talked about him. Nobody else seemed to jump on board with them until about the third, fourth preseason game. And at that point, everybody was taking credit about how they noticed this kid who was a big sleeper. And, uh, you know, again, it's for me, it's not I wouldn't say a frustrating thing. Uh, you're going to make good calls, bad calls. Some people um, aren't going to notice you. Some people will. Obviously, anybody who listened to me or followed me likely picked up Philip Lindsay or drafted him. And I hope it worked out for you. I mean, he's been awesome so far this year. 
But just when you add on Philip Lindsay, I made bad calls last year too, and I've talked about. I want to continue talking about it. But Ronald Jones, I had him ranked as the fourth best prospect in this class, uh, and he's fallen very short of those expectations so far. I still think he has a chance to prove it around, uh, turn it around. I really do think he could have a breakout year next year. Uh, but I didn't look so good this year in saying that I thought he could can be right up there with Darius Geis and Saquon Barkley as rookies of the year, uh, and obviously that is not going to happen. So anyways, with all that being said, now let's go ahead and jump into the college football games that went on today. Oh, sorry, actually I'm going to do the the, uh, the playoff rankings first. So Alabama clearly number one, not a big surprise there. Clemson is number two. They are currently winning 13-7. to Boston College has actually looked like they're playing them pretty tough. So that's going to be interesting to see how the rest of that game folds out. Notre Dame at three. Uh, they're up 32-6 to at halftime. Ian Book is not playing. That's going to be huge. I, I do like Notre Dame. I think they have a really good chance of finishing the year undefeated. We'll get into that, though, when we talk about the schedules. Uh, but Ian Book's going to be huge to that. And they are currently number three. And then number four is uh, Michigan, who won their game 42-7. to So all that being said, I don't, in all honesty, think there's really anybody else that has a chance to get into the college football playoffs outside of four teams uh, in the top ten. They're the only ones that I see that could do this. Uh, Oklahoma is one of the top ones, and they are currently ranked number six. They barely survived Oklahoma State this weekend, 48-47. to Jumping into that game here, uh, man, I'm, I'm torn on this. I love the gutsy call by Mike Gundy here, so... They had scored a touchdown, I believe it was with about a minute and ten left, uh, and they decided to go for two instead of kicking the extra point to win the game, uh, and they failed. They failed to get the extra, uh, the two-point conversion, so they ended up losing by one point. In my opinion, maybe it's playing safe, maybe it's being, a, uh, as some would say, a quote-unquote pussy move. I would take the kick and, and try to stop them and go into overtime. Obviously, their defense hadn't been that great because they allowed 48 points from Oklahoma, but I still think I'd rather take my chances into overtime because you never know what could happen uh, than if you fail on that two-point conversion. It's it's game over, uh, I, you know, especially with a minute left on the clock. If it was two or three minutes left, I would com- completely be for going for it in that situation uh, because you still have three timeouts left. You have a chance to stop them and then end up kicking a field goal or scoring touchdown win the game. Now, they did still have three timeouts left after the stop, but with one minute left on the clock, if you don't stop them once and they get a first down, it's game over, and they were able to do it. I believe it was on second down. Uh, he was able to, their running back ran for a first down, so that ended the game right there. So they did have a chance to knock off their rivals there in Bedlam, and it did not happen. So with Oklahoma, though, there's another team that is right there with them that has a chance to, cont- to come out of the Big 12, and that's West Virginia. They're currently sitting at 9. They won today 47-10 to over TCU. Both of these teams, I think, have the best shot of getting in if one of the teams in the top four falter. A lot of people have been talking about possibly Alabama losing to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I don't see that, uh, but I do agree with everybody that if, say, Notre Dame and Michigan wins out and then Alabama loses to uh, Georgia in the SEC game, and in all honesty, I don't care if it's by three points or if they get blown out. Chances are we're going to see a repeat of last year, and Alabama and Georgia are both going to get in. We'll see two SEC schools get in, and then it'll be Notre Dame and Michigan, regardless of how everything else plays out. 
Uh, so that's really the only other way Georgia gets in. They're obviously in the top 10 as well. Uh, they are currently sitting at 5. Uh, they're winning right now against Auburn 20-10, to 10, obviously. If any of those guys lose, they're out completely, in my opinion. Um, but that's the only way Georgia, I think, gets in is if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, so to kind of make or to explore the chaos option, we're going to say that doesn't happen. We'll say that Alabama wins out. So if Alabama wins out, Notre Dame wins out, and Clemson wins out, those three are in for sure. Now Clemson, again, they there it's a 13-7 game still right now, a little bit over two minutes left in the uh, game against Boston College. They could end up losing. If they lose, I think they're out completely. And then that really call, comes for chaos because now you're getting two teams in. Although I don't think it'd be that crazy. I think you'd end up getting in the Big 12 champion and then probably someone right there on the outside. Uh, but for that one, I think you're really going to have to wait to see how the rest of the season plays out because Clemson losing, they've been one of the best teams all year long. But I think if they lose to number 17 Boston College, I just don't see how they could get in after the fact. So again, Clemson, went, we'll just go with this assumption here that Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame went out. They're getting in. For the fourth spot to cause chaos, you would need Ohio State to beat Michigan. If that happens, I think that gives a great path for either Oklahoma or West Virginia to get in and not Ohio State. And why I say that is Ohio State, yes, they're going to have a great win on their resume against Michigan uh, at home in the horseshoe. The number four team uh, right now, Ohio State number 10. They did beat Michigan State today. Uh, who was ranked 18, 26 to 6. But anybody who watched that, uh, it was not a good game. Really, it came down to about the fourth quarter when Ohio State got a couple defensive turnovers and literal defensive touchdowns that uh, kind of helped them win this game. The offense has just looked bad all year long. Uh, so why I don't think that that helps Ohio State that much is right now on the other side of the Big Ten bracket, the Big Ten East, it's Northwestern. That is the number one school in that conference. And they are currently not ranked, and I don't think that they'll be ranked by the time the Big Ten Championship game comes along. So that being said, their best win is going to be obviously the number four Michigan game. I'm just not sure that's going to be enough to vault them into that fourth spot as we saw last year. Uh, that what got held against them was the blowout against Iowa. Well, they got blown out by Purdue this year by an even worse score. And I would say that the Purdue team this year, while they have some good ones on their resume, was not even as good as the Iowa team last year. Uh, so I really think that that's going to hold Ohio State from getting in at number four. So why that helps West Virginia and Oklahoma, these two teams play each other likely twice in the next coming weeks. So in week 13 of the college football season, which is uh, the November 23rd to be exact, so right around Thanksgiving weekend, we will be seeing Oklahoma and West Virginia going at it. Assume they, they don't play next week, so you've got they'll uh, likely not really move up or st go anywhere in the standings. Maybe West Virginia moves up one spot, but I doubt it. Uh, so you're looking at the number 6 and the number 19 playing each other. I'm pretty sure regardless of who wins this matchup, they're gonna they're they're already set to face off in the Big Twelve Championship based on the way that the rest of the the conferences have fallen fallen the way they have, especially with Texas. So with that being said, everybody else in the conference I believe has three losses. That's why that that's the way it falls that way. So Oklahoma and West Virginia. Say Oklahoma beats West Virginia in two weeks and they do it again in the Big Twelve Championship. I think Oklahoma gets in because even if they beat West Virginia. 
in two weeks. Yes, they're going to drop out of that nine spot, but they're not going to drop all the way out of the top 25. They're likely going to fall somewhere into the late teens. And then you're getting that win again and adding the Big 12 championship on your resume. That's going to put Oklahoma in over Ohio State. And same to West Virginia. If you're an Ohio State fan like myself, I think the only thing you can hope for is you beat Michigan comfortably. And I don't expect that to happen with the way Michigan's defense is playing. And Ohio State's defense, while it's been good, has not been great. I think they're going to struggle stopping Karen Higdon and Shea Patterson. Uh, but it's, say they beat Michigan, even if they don't beat them comfortably, even if they beat them by whatever, three points, touchdown, they still do have that on their resume. You would need either Oklahoma to win this game and then West Virginia win the Big 12 championship or vice versa. You need these guys to split their games, and that would be the only way that Ohio State gets in. Of course, if that of course means they have to win out as well, beating Maryland uh, next week. And uh, I do expect them to be able to do that, but then I also said I expect them to beat Purdue by like a touchdown, and that didn't happen. So, you know, that is really the only way I see Ohio State getting in. Uh, obviously, if Clemson does lose at some point, or if Notre Dame loses at some point, and Alabama wins out, I do think if Ohio State beats Michigan, that gives them a great shot to get in, uh, as I do think that that will kind of vault them in if they beat Michigan, and the Big 12 champion will be able to get in as well, because you'd see Clemson and Notre Dame, or you would see uh, whomever lost, whether it was Clemson and or Notre Dame, uh, and Michigan fall out due to the loss to Ohio State. For Clemson, I don't see them losing to anybody. They do not have any tough matchups. This was the game, Boston College. That is why uh, College Game Day is there today, uh, and they were doing everything that they were because this was kind of the roughest game left for Clemson. Uh, and again, it's sitting at halftime right now, Clemson up 13-7. to For Notre Dame, I think that they're pretty safe as well. Their only game that is a big game, I think in my opinion they could lose, is next week against Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is currently ranked number 13. Uh, they have looked good at times. Obviously, they almost took down Clemson earlier in the year. Granted, yes, I know that Kelly Bryant had got knocked out. Or, I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence had got knocked out. And they were playing with a backup quarterback. Regardless, Syracuse is a good team. You don't get up to rank 13 for no reason. Uh, and so I think that that's Notre Dame's biggest test going forward. Alabama's biggest test is likely going to come in week 13 and 14. So week 13, they're playing Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Now, I know Auburn currently ranked 24th. They're probably, if they lose today, are going to drop out of the top 25. But you just have to throw records out in those in those rivalry games. We saw it uh, you know, a couple years ago in the kick six uh, where Auburn returned the, uh, the missed field goal for a touchdown against uh, Alabama. Nobody expected them to win that game. You just can't. You, you have to take records out in that. I know it sounds crazy, but I think it will be a tight game. And then, obviously, if they do win, though, Week 14, the, all the talk will be, can they beat Georgia? And again, I do, like I said, if Georgia loses, they're out entirely. If Georgia wins, I think they're in regardless of what happens. So that will be a huge game for all the teams hoping for chaos in the playoffs. Uh, and if anybody else loses, that'll be kind of, if anybody else loses and Georgia wins, they're definitely going to get in because that really free, frees up a spot regardless. But as I've talked about, I think even if Michigan were to go and win out the rest of the year, they would get knocked out by Georgia, unfortunately. Uh, and so then obviously Michigan, who is the last team uh, here in the top four, their biggest win, or biggest game left is the Ohio State game in two weeks. Again, they have to go on the road into the horseshoe uh, to play Michigan uh, to play Ohio State. It's going to be an interesting game because uh, John Harbaugh has not been able to beat Ohio State since he's been there. He is zero and five against them. 
We'll see what happens. This is by far, I've said it at the beginning of the year in the first college podcast, and I'll keep saying it. This is the best Michigan team he's had, the best quarterback he's had. Karen Higdon is a legit running back. This defense is extremely good. Uh, And Ohio State has just been struggling all year long, whether it was the stuff that happened at the beginning of the year. Since Urban Meyer has been back, in my opinion, this team has just been struggling. I don't know if that's a precursor to what we're about to see happen with Urban Meyer. There has been a lot of talk that he'll step down. I really don't know, but Ohio State has just not looked good all year long. So I could easily see Michigan winning that game. And then they're going into the Big Ten Championship. And again, whether it's them or Ohio State, I just don't see that win. All that's doing is giving you a trophy at the end of the day because I don't see that win doing much for you. Had they been going up against a ranked Wisconsin or Iowa or something like that over in the other side of the conference, or even if uh, Northwestern were ranked, I think it'd help them a little bit. I just don't see that happening. So that win is not going to add much to their resume besides being the champ, and we saw that last year. Ohio State got left out being the Big Ten champ, and Alabama was just a one-loss team, and they got in. So they don't take the championships, I think, that much into favor. Uh, and so really, that's it. Like I said, Oklahoma and West Virginia, their biggest games are themselves. They play each other twice, uh, and those are going to be the biggest games. Um, other than that, guys, uh, my project, uh, we're, we'll wait. I'll make sure to do a podcast um, right around bowl, bowl weekend or after bowl weekend and give you guys my top four. Obviously, I'm hoping for chaos, like I said, as an Ohio State fan. I'd love to see them get in there. Uh, however, part of me doesn't want to see them get in there because I feel like no matter who, they likely they would get in as the four spot. And you're playing Alabama, and I just don't see Zeke's not coming through those doors to help them beat Alabama like he did back in 2016. Uh, or 2015, technically, was the year that he did it, even though it was the 2016 season. So... Yeah, I just, I don't, I'm really, really worried about what Ohio State does. Obviously, though, I'd love to see them get in. Uh, And we'll also talk about some of the big bowls, though, once I do that podcast uh, with certain guys that I'd like to see and want you guys to look out for if you're going to watch the bowl season games for uh, prospects that are going to be playing in them coming out next year. So for the prospects, my quarterback one went up last Saturday. Again, I talked about my top five. So again, I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying that none of these guys have declared yet. And uh, the top two guys, as I'm about to get into, can go back to college. Uh, my top one, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. He's a junior. So he's 6'6", 233. Um, I think has been awesome most of the year. He's definitely struggled here on the back half. But I think he is by far one of the most intriguing prospects for me. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he's just been awesome. He's a three-star prospect in high school. Uh, and I've really liked the way that uh, that he's played. I think that uh, he's a very strong quarterback, has a good NFL arm, does a really good job on touch throws and bucket throws, putting it over the defenders and into the back shoulder passes or right into the defend, uh, wide receiver's hands, allowing them to keep in stride for the play. Uh, and love his mobility inside, outside the pocket, being able to extend plays. Uh, one of, some of my things that worry me about him, though, uh, is him being in the spread offense, and uh, sometimes he locks on his receivers a little bit more. Uh, so that he's my number one, though. Uh, but again, junior, and he's already talked about possibly wanting to go back to school. If he goes back, in my opinion, this class is going to be really bad for quarterback and and for dynasty drafts and everything. You can, I would say, 
just completely forget about the quarterback position. I don't know uh, how many people really draft quarterbacks in dynasty leagues. I never have. The only quarterback I've ever taken is Baker Mayfield last year. Again, big Browns fan, loved Baker. I thought he was the best quarterback in the class, so I took him mostly just so I could have the Browns starting quarterback of the future. Uh, but for the most part, I, and me personally, listening to quarterback leaguer, you just have Tom Brady and nobody else. Uh, I don't advocate taking quarterbacks in rookie drafts as I just feel like you're going to be able to get someone almost every year. All that being said, if he goes back, like I said, this is going to be a bad class because the next player here, Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, is my number two, and he is a redshirt sophomore, so he can go back as well next year. And what that means for the redshirt sophomore is he would be just like what Cardell Jones was a couple years ago for Ohio State. Just means that he redshirted a year, for those of you who don't know, so technically he could be a junior right now, and obviously you can come out after your junior year. That's what Cardell did uh, because they had Braxton Miller at quarterback and then JT Barrett, and then JT Barrett decided to stay, obviously, all the way through his senior year. Uh, and Cardell Jones didn't want to stay any longer. He he stayed the year after he led him to the national championship, probably thinking that he was going to get the chance to be the starter, and they went back to JT Barrett, uh, so he kind of got screwed there. Uh, but so for Haskins, I just I think he has the best arm talent in the class. Uh, doesn't get a chance to show it much, which is a little bit bad, but he has been playing in a pro-style offense for most of his career. He was a four-star recruit out of high school. Uh, and I just I really like him. I think that uh, he's a natural thrower. He good job maneuvering in the pocket. He every time he slides in and out uh, of the pocket to avoid defenders, he's always keeping his eyes downfield. He's not looking to run, which I think is exactly what you need out of an NFL quarterback. He does a good job of keeping his eyes locked downfield, looking for players. Uh, my biggest concerns on him are the fact that he doesn't take very many downfield throws. He's always throwing right within a. 5 to 20 yard radius at the most, or really at 15 yard radius radius at the most 20. He doesn't take those big shots down the field that much, which is a little concerning. I don't know if it's necessarily the Ohio State play calling or if he's just afraid to do it because he has some explosive weapons on the outside. Uh, And we'll talk about those when we get to our wide receivers because he's got some guys that are definitely high-end, look to be high-end wide receiver NFL talents here coming up. For me, the number three is Will Greer out of West Virginia. I like Will Greer a lot. Now, again, as I state in the article, I don't think uh, that he is up there with Haskins and Herbert. I think he is clearly a step below them, uh, and I do think he's like a second-day, third-day draft selection uh, because I do think he's got some stuff he needs to work out, but I do like him a lot. Uh, I like his technique. In the three- to five-step drops, I think he does a good job reading defenses and possesses a very good uh, arm does a very good job of fitting the ball into small windows. What I don't like about him is that he's a little bit undersized, not not very big, 6'2", 223. So he's not small, but he's not big either. Uh, and his accuracy wanes a little bit on deep throws. He tends to sometimes throw it out of bounds uh, on wide open wide receivers, which is something you need to improve on, obviously. Number four for me is Drew Locke out of Missouri. Four-star prospect coming out of high school. Uh, he's played in a pro-style offense as well. Now, again, a lot of people really high on this guy. 6'4", 225, senior, so he has to come out or, or not play anymore, I guess, technically. He has the NFL size, the NFL talent, uh, arm, uh, and a lot like... Uh, Will Greer, he struggles with inaccuracy as well, especially on the deep ball. That's kind of his biggest need of improvement. And I think learning the whole field, the offense that he plays in sometimes at Missouri, I think kind of limits his options and what he does. He kind of knows where he's going right off the bat. And you're not going to know that in NFL. you got to progress through your reads. 
And then my last guy, kind of a reach here, uh, as I've been told, but I really like him. If you haven't seen him, you need to watch some YouTube videos on him or look up his highlights because he's very good as Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo. He is a huge quarterback, two-star prospect out of high school, 6'7", 245, has got a gun. And he is by far one of the most physically gifted athletes in this class. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, he he's... Has I mean he throws the ball down the field with a flick of his wrist. We're talking like a what Patrick Mahomes does in the NFL, just flicks it easy sixty seven yards. It looks like he's not even trying out there. Does a great job when he sidesteps defenders. Looks like Ben Roethlisberger shaking off defenders in the back. Like that's how big he is. You'll see linebackers hit him and he just moves and is able to kind of like let him slide off of him and then finds his wide receiver. His biggest issue is number one, he's had limited reps uh, due to injury issues that he's suffered and uh, just hasn't been playing much. And then accuracy, which again is a big thing in the NFL. Uh, His accuracy so far in college is 56%, so we're talking like Josh Allen accuracy rating. Not great. And if you believe in the stigmas about this, we've never seen a quarterback uh, 6'7 or bigger succeed in the NFL. You know, Brock Osweiler, and I don't remember the other guy at the moment, but... There's two guys that have been really tall that have just failed to succeed in the NFL being that tall. Um, Paxton Lynch, that's who it was. was trying to remember who was off the top of my head. Uh, so if you believe in those kinds of stats, then Tyree Jackson isn't for you. But uh, he's he's uh, almost my version of like a Cam Newton-Ben Roethlisberger mix. Uh, I really like the way that he has looked, in my opinion, so far this year. Uh, and, and he doesn't have to come out this year. Uh, so he could stay in, in uh, college one more year, uh, but I liked him. He's kind of right outside my top, or he's right there at the bottom of my top five. A couple guys to look at, Ryan Finley uh, out of NC State, uh, Jordan Tamu out of Ole Miss, and I am honestly don't even know how to say this other guy's last name, so if I pronounce it wrong, guys, I'm sorry, but Brett Ripien out of Boise State. Those three guys... Uh, Based on their play and stats, I've liked them. I just don't have them really in my top five. I guess you could really, if you wanted to, argue any of those guys over Tyree Jackson. But not for me. I love the, I love Tyree Jackson. So those are my five and my three guys to look at uh, as well going into it. And again, those top two, Justin Herbert and Dwayne Haskins, could go back to school. And I think that that would really kind of limit the options of this QB class. So... Next up, we're going to talk about the article that released earlier today. Again, you can find all these on QBList.com. That's the site that I write for. Uh, You can just type in NFL prospect rankings. You can go into the going deep section and look for it there. Again, my name, Matt Bruning. It'll say on there, uh, top 5 2019 rookie quarterbacks, top 10 2019 rookie running backs. Just look them up. I give you guys full breakdowns on them, what I think they're good at, what I think they're bad at. And I even uh, went in, spent a lot of time downloading YouTube videos and highlights uh, of these guys and some of their better games. And I'm talking about going and cut through the film and uh, segments of it for certain runs to kind of show you guys exactly what I'm seeing and what I like out of these guys. So I I try to go in in in-depth as I possibly can. Uh, so if you just want to jump on there and read what I have to say or just look at the gifts, I mean, you can see, I'll be honest, yes, I put in all their good plays. I don't put in bad plays because I'm trying to show you what they can do good uh, in college and in the NFL. And uh, there's some really uh, legit runs from some of the guys, some of those guys in there, too. So for my number one, um, I know it was surprising to a lot of people when I was talking about it, but it was it's Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. I know he tore his ACL again this year, uh, and he, so he's not playing at all. 
Uh, but he already declared for the draft, and I thought he was the best back anyways. He was a Heisman candidate already the first part of the season. Uh, barely played in any games, uh, I believe it was uh, three games, and he already put up 119 yards on just 11 rushes. So you're looking at a 10-point average and three rushing touchdowns. He looked legit for Oklahoma, uh, and he looked really good last year too. Uh, my biggest concerns with Rodney Anderson are obviously his durability. This is now the second uh, not career ending, a season ending injury that he has had um, in his college career. So that's definitely concerning going into the NFL. You know, you look at someone like Leonard Fournette right now who's dealing with those ankle issues still in, in the NFL that he dealt with in college. But I mean, if Anderson can stay healthy, I think he is a legit, legit running back prospect. He's got great size and athleticism. He's consistently moves laterally around the backfield, waiting for the hole to open. He's one of the most patient backs, uh, does a good job breaking through arm tackles. It's just ridiculous. I'm telling you guys, do yourselves a favor. Even if you don't like me or don't want to read what I have to, just get in there and look at YouTube highlights of this dude, and he'll show you everything you need to know about how good this guy is. For me, my number two is David Montgomery out of Iowa State. So, he uh, He's kind of been bursted on the scene for two years now for any analysts that have been paying that close attention. He's been really good. Uh, you know, he's already put up six rushing touchdowns this year, 648 yards. I know he got ejected from the game today, actually, in a fight. So that's not good because he's possibly going to miss the game against Texas. Uh, but he does a great job of running through contact. He has excellent balance, is not afraid to drop his shoulder and just bowl people over. He's hard to bring down, has a nasty stiff arm. Uh, definitely built to be a workhorse back. Uh, my only things that really worry me about him is he shows a lack of vision at times, uh, tries to bounce outside when he shouldn't, uh, kind of makes him, runs himself into negative runs at times. Uh, and I do feel like he goes seeking contact a little bit too much at times, and he struggles in the passing game, which I think is, uh, is kind of a requisite now for NFL running backs. Uh, my number three is Damian Harris out of Alabama, uh, coming from a long line of, of running backs that have been going into the NFL from Alabama. Not all of them succeeding, though. Uh, but while I think he'll succeed is the fact that he, I think, is more like Mark Ingram than the other guys that they've had, like Derrick Henry and Trent Richardson. Uh, he's got a powerful frame, really good at redirecting quickly, good at finding space, good receiver which I think is big for him. What he lacks, I think, is long speed. He's not someone who chances are he's going to you know, get he's going to hit you with the 60-70 yard bomb unless all the defenders are just like blitzing on the play. Uh, he can be caught from behind. Uh, not necessarily great at being elusive. If he gets caught, he, he's likely going down. Uh, not really good at making defenders miss. Uh, for me, number four is Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. Uh, so, so far... He has uh, put up three years' worth of 1,000 yards. He's going to do four. He's already at 895, not counting whatever he did today against Oklahoma. I haven't looked at his stats yet. Uh, so that'll be four straight years of putting up 1,000 yards. It's, it's ridiculous. Or, I'm sorry. This will be his third year, guys. I, I misread my, my quote here. He will put up another 1,000 yards. It's just be three straight years in college. He's put up 1,000 yards. Uh, he's got great burst, does a great job of maintaining speed while cutting and changing directions, which is huge. Uh, does a great job of uh, making defenders miss, especially when they're going at his legs for tackles and not trying to hit him up high. I think uh, what he lacks is his vision and decision-making coming out of the backfield, much like uh, Montgomery. I think he tries to run himself into the home run ball a little bit too much and takes those negative plays when he shouldn't. Uh, and I do think he, again, well, I just said that, relies too much on his home run skill. But uh, I do like him 
great pass catcher as well. Number five, and guys, I'm not. This might be my favorite prospect. It was very hard for me to put him at five, uh, but uh, there's just some things I'm not sure of because he hasn't played that much. But no, no joke. He's he's quickly becoming my favorite prospect in this class. Is Miles Sanders out of Penn State? So this dude sat behind Saquon Barkley. You know, he went to Penn State knowing he wasn't going to play over Barkley, and he's been almost just as good. Like, it, it, it's ridiculous. He He's not obviously Saquon Barkley, but he has been awesome. This is his one year playing so far on 100, uh, 800. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, guys. He's run for 800 yards so far this season. He's just looked awesome, in my opinion. Already has eight rushing touchdowns on the year. So, for me, Sanders is... The most elusive back in this class. He is decisive in his cuts. Is very smooth running in the backfield and getting through his holes before hitting him. Very patient. Got great burst once he hits that hole. Gets great chunk plays. I mean, it's awesome. His balance and feet start-stop ability, everything I love about him. Literally, my only question for him is, is this sustainable? Because he's only been a starter for one year and chances are he's going to come out. Uh, and so that's really the only thing I have for him is that and durability. Even though he's not shown any injury his, uh, history, uh, he really only has the 143 carries this year. Uh, so we haven't seen much of him, but my God, this kid looks amazing. Number six is Bryce Love, which is insane to me because he likely would have been the number two back behind Saquon Barkley last year, maybe behind Darius Guys, but I know most people had him number two, uh, and he's dropped all the way to number six as he's just struggled mightily this year for whatever reason. Uh, I do like his, he's got elite acceleration and speed though, can get by people easily, uh, but not great in the passing game and, and just hasn't looked overwhelmingly agile this year uh, and has suffered durability issues this year. Uh, this year he's really been marred in injuries, so I do think that that's going to kind of hit him a little bit with a lot of questions. For me, number seven is Karen Higdon from Michigan. Uh, again, this kid has just been awesome so far this year. His final year, he's a senior. Uh, been splitting a lot of work with Chris Evans, which I think actually kind of helps him. It uh, uh, keeps him fresh, allows him uh, to be a lot more explosive, does a good job catching the ball as well. Uh, and I don't really have many weaknesses on this guy. I really don't. I mean, he has a smaller frame, uh, which might be a problem with his aggressive running style and uh, doesn't do a good job. Uh, a lot of people are worried that if he has to add weight, he won't retain the speed that he has, but I don't think he needs to. Uh, so Karen Higdon might be one of those guys that could jump up into the top three, uh, especially with the way he finishes out this season. Number eight for me is Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Um, I like this guy a lot as well. Not getting a lot of talk. Uh, because he's a little bit of a smaller back, 5'9", 200. A very compact, low ground runner, great strength. I uh, love the way that he uses his power to push through contact and through holes to get positive plays. Uh, can't He prefers to run outside uh, uh, maybe a little bit more than he should. Um, and uh, durability and uh, if he can be a workhorse will be the question on him as well as he's really only had 135 carries up until this point in his college year, and he's a junior. So he hasn't had a year where most... Most running backs are getting close to 200 carries in a year at college, and he's had three years of only 135 carries altogether. So that'll be his biggest question. Number nine, Miles Gaskin. Love this kid out of Washington. I'll be straight 
completely honest with you guys when I say this. I don't think he'll be a workhorse back, but he's definitely someone that could be a scat or satellite back in the NFL. He is the best receiver out of this group. He's got extremely good and soft hands, very good pass blocker as well. He's a senior, a very agile runner, very active feet. Uh, he's got some of the best body control in this class. The way that his head and body can look like it's moving one way and that he keeps turning the other just gets defenders to break their ankles. It's ridiculous. I'm telling you, look at some of the the plays I put on there for him. Uh, his biggest uh, detractors will tell you that he's got a small frame, which I do technically agree with, uh, and he doesn't really have breakaway speed, which is a little bit interesting. I think it's just the way that he runs. He's always trying to look to make his next move, uh, and looks like he kind of keeps a short, compact stride when he should extend. He's got very long legs. Uh, I think if he were to do that, he'd be a little bit faster, but uh, he can, he's been caught from behind multiple times on big runs. And then, of course, my 10 is Mike Weber Jr. out of Ohio State. Uh, I've liked the way this kid looked. He's the incumbent from Zeke Elliott when Zeke left. He runs with great balance, compact running style, not afraid to drop his shoulder at the point of contact, good burst, really good when he gets in the open field at eliminating angles, especially defenders trying to come in from different angles to stop him or pursuit. Uh, doesn't do a lot in the passing game, though. When he does, it's on wide open checkdowns, which you're obviously not going to get mostly in the NFL, which worries me a little bit about him. My three guys that are right outside the top 10 that I think could jump up in there, Trayvon Williams out of Texas A&M, who's having a huge year so far this year, Benny Snell Jr., who's really jumped on the scene this year as well for Kentucky, and Elijah Holyfield, Evander Holyfield's son in Georgia. I really like this guy. Uh, he's someone that I'm really intrigued by, could quickly jump up into my top 10. All right, so then to give you guys kind of the sneak preek of my wide receivers, which again, that article will be coming out next Saturday, I'm going to give you guys my top five. My number one is DK Metcalf out of Mississippi. I like this kid. Uh, redshirt sophomore. I'm not going to break down too much of them because I want to save that for the articles. I'm just going to kind of give you their year, college, and what number they are. Number two, I actually have Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. He's a redshirt junior. I love this kid and the way that he plays. Number three for me is uh, Neil Harry, or Keel Harry, however you say it, Arizona State junior. Love the way this kid plays as well. Number four, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford. He's a senior. Great hands. Great at attacking the ball in the air. And my number five is I'm going to give you two because it's a tie for me, really, between Riley Ridley at Georgia, uh, he's a junior, and Kelvin Harmon, NC State junior, and honestly, A.J. Brown out of Mississippi junior. Like, I love all those guys, and honestly, there's there's good, I mean, not even kidding you guys, but guys, uh, 15 to 16 wide receivers in this class that I think could be good. Not necessarily wide receiver ones, but high-end wide receiver twos. Like, this class is going to be loaded for wide receivers. It's going to be so much fun and so hard to completely break these guys down. Like, I have, I'm not even kidding you. My top four, I, I feel like I'm pretty secured in how I want it. But then I literally have 12 guys and the rest of my six spots. I'm trying to figure out which where I want to put them right now. Uh, I'm still trying to finish breaking some of them down, and it, it's hard for me to separate them out. So that's my top five for the wide receivers, and that's going to do it for my college podcast today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast again. I will try to have another one out here in the next couple weeks once we get closer to bowl season to talk to you guys more about who you guys should watch if anybody else is declared, and then obviously my college football 
playoff predictions. I hope you guys had a great uh, Saturday watching the games today. We still have some going on. The biggest one being Clemson at Boston College. Clemson is up 20-7 to now, so... Looks like Clemson's going to be able to put that one away and stay number two. So, until we talk again, guys, again, check out my articles on QBList.com or hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We'll talk again soon. Peace. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die, leave. Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can.